0: Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. You sick? All
1: right. Welcome to Scatterbrain, episode twenty. How are you doing, Dan?
0: Doing all right, Ian. How's it going with you? I know you were feeling a little under the weather lately. Um. Everything
1: good? A little bit missed a couple of days of work. That never happens, but uh, I feel a little better today. Man, I was in bed for like 40 hours or something. <laughs> Got up a couple of times to walk stand, but yeah, I was just I was out. What happened? I it just felt like total fatigue. I mean, at first time I woke up late for my shift, like an hour into my shift, I woke up and I was like, oh shit, and my throat was killing me. And my boss said, you know, in light of everything, you you shouldn't come in. And I was like, okay, and I just I went back to sleep and I was in bed for over a day. You had I mean, a sore I, throat, you said? Yeah, it's gone now. I mean, after I woke up again the second time, it, yeah. it, it was gone. But I just felt just pummeled, like really fatigued. It's like
0: yeah.
1: it's like my life cut up with me or something. I just slept and slept and slept and slept. So I'm just chalking it up to just being like super tired.
0: Yeah, go get tested, though, man. You never oh, know. No, I have to.
1: I have to. Yeah. I can't go back to work until I do. So yeah. is it like blood or like mouth swabs or do you know?
0: They just shove a swab up your nose, I think.
1: Hmm easy okay i I
0: heard it's not bad i heard it's like uncomfortable but not bad yeah a lot of people from work got it because they work with you know
1: people yeah so in light of the way things are nowadays i i apparently had to miss those days so
0: yeah i think it's good for you to take days off sometimes you'll tell me like oh i felt like shit today or Mm -hmm. last night but i had to go to work and it's like why didn't you take a sick day and you've before you've said to me You're right. I didn't even think of
1: that. (laughs) And a lot of times I I can't because I've I've had no one to really replace me or or step up and fill in for me. But um, but there's another person there at work now who can do it. So uh, I really didn't have a choice. My boss just said flat out. No, you're not coming in. So that was that.
0: Better safe than sorry, I guess, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I needed it. I just felt fatigued, just completely battered down. So anyway.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm still pumped from last episode that was pretty good that was a good time good conversation no yeah it was uh, great it was really fun for me hopefully uh, rodrigo will come on again and do a album review or something that'd be fun seems like he will i like that guy yeah yeah so we're still uh, doing the social media thing scatterbrain pod on twitter and scatterbrain pod sd is in san diego on instagram I'm trying to come up with some fun pictures and you're doing some great great drawings for some of the covers for our albums or not albums episodes Keep it up, thank, dude.
1: You, thank you, thank you, thank you,
0: thank you. And of course, uh, you can find the links to all of our streaming platforms at scatterbrainpodcast.com. I just saw some news this morning when I woke up, uh, but it looked like it was announced last night, uh, so yesterday, the 18th of June. The Revocation guitarist Dan Gar- Gargiulo is leaving the band. Really? What? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he posted Not the, a not the main guy, the guy who started the band.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. I
1: was going to say, there would be no revocation without that guy, so...
0: He posted this on social media. I've been reluctant to post anything about myself in the midst of what's going on in the world, but I feel the need to do so, so that my bandmates can move forward. I've decided to leave revocation to focus on other aspects of my life and other musical endeavors. I know they'll continue to succeed, and I'm excited to see who steps up to replace me. That'll be interesting. Those guys are pretty good.
1: Yeah, they they are pretty good.
0: Um, he's been with them since 2011, or since their 2011 album around that time. Yeah, and uh, it's a long time, you know.
1: So yeah, I haven't listened to them in a while. I, I forgot about them. They're they're good. Yeah. So what are
0: we reviewing today?
1: Well, you tell me. It's Dead Earth Syndicate by Who. Serenity Defiled. It's kind of an of interesting name. name. Yeah, odd name, huh? Why don't you start this one?
0: All right. Well, kind of just a general overview. They're a uh, Australian. Thrash metal band, I guess you'd call them right? Thrash.
1: Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, from Broken Hill, Australia, according to their Facebook page. Uh, mm-hmm. They were formed in 2010 as a like a project by some members of this band called Fury. Okay. And I never heard of them. I, I guess they went by another name called the Harrowed as well. But I, it's the same band, just a different name. I'll include you know links to their Facebook and stuff so people can check it out but from the bio from their from their facebook page reads like this fury found success over the course of a string of albums and many tours under australia they were signed to massacre records in germany under the name the herald before eventually disbanding in the late 2000s two of the founding members ricky boone on guitars and mick o'neill vocals wanted to reinvent fury as an even more aggressive outfit adding layers of death metal to their already devastating take on thrash metal they recruited drummer tim hinton and tapped lord tim to play to play lead guitar and produce their debut album (laughs) that was where chaos reigns and that came out in uh 2012 and then uh mick o'neill stepped away on vocals and the guy lord tim took those on so now he plays guitars and does and does lead and does vocals as well And then they did a demo in 2017 called, or a single rather, called uh, Conjure the Darkness, which eventually appears on this album, the 2020 album, Dead Earth Syndicate. Mm -hmm. Uh, On drums, they have Tim Hinton, rhythm guitar, they said Ricky Boone, and then vocals and lead guitars, Lord Tim. I've never heard of anyone for themselves as Lord. I'm going to start calling you Lord Ian. No, don't do that. (laughs) But then uh, what's interesting is they don't have... They don't have anyone listed as bass, and I couldn't find anything aware about their bassist, so maybe they just overdone it or something. Come to
1: think of it, I don't recall hearing any bass in this album. Mm. Did you hear any bass lines?
0: I didn't notice it lacking. I could just imagine that it was mirroring the guitars. It just sounded I mean it sounded like it had some bottom end to it. I didn't really notice that.
1: Yeah. well, there was a lack of bass. Now that you say that there's no bass player listed, I, I don't recall hearing any bass parts. Hmm. or any bass well
0: what did, well maybe it's tied into the production you know they yeah. maybe filled it Could out be. or maybe they played bass on, on the album or something and do something different live or
1: who knows who knows
0: but what did you think about it
1: i hate to bag on a band i really do or an album i i just deeply deeply did not like this tell me why um the guitar, not the guitars were good. There's some really good leads and everything, but the the drumming and the vocals are exactly the same on every song. It's the same drum riff, it's the same vocal pattern, it's the same note. It's the same, I mean, like song three, for instance, called Pariah. It starts out really cool, and I'm like, oh, the, maybe this, you know, maybe this is where the album kicks up and starts getting good. And then the fucking guy does the same exact drum beat. Coming in as he, he did on the first two songs, and I'm just like ah, and he the drummer just ruined it. And I, that's about all. That's all I'm gonna say negative about this band because I hate to be so like, so downer about a band, you know, because they're clearly good musicians and everything. And I don't want to be like, you know, that guy that they listen to and go fuck that guy, you know, because if someone yeah. said n- mean shit about us, I'd be like fuck that guy. What does he know? You know, because like you said, what are we? A couple schlubs in San Diego just listening to music and judging it. You know, it's just opinions, but I, I just didn't like it.
0: Yeah, well. You know it's sort of a, a a fine line to walk because I feel the same way. I don't want to come on here or do anything really and and go to the 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 effort of listening to an album and then like publishing my review on it online and then not saying good things, right? but then that doesn't that sort of takes away from the validity of or the input for something yeah. else that you might like. So you have exactly. to be genuine. You to and, be I, and when I review something, I mean there's there's stuff where I've said like I'm, we're reviewing this, or you'll say we're reviewing this, and you go along with it.
1: But mm-hmm. then
0: when we're looking for something, I don't want to pick something out that I want to bag on. I'm, I might listen to the beginning, and go, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Skip a skip part way through, oh, this looks kind of cool. Okay, I'll send it off to Ian as a as a potential, you know? Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this was was just you know, oh, this sounds kind of cool. I mean, it starts off. There's a couple good riffs, and it's like I think for me, I think a lot of it is the the production. Uh, and that's why I think maybe we didn't notice there was a lack of bass guitar. And I felt that like regardless of the vocal content, I felt like it didn't go. I almost felt like it was Lars coming in and saying, oh, let's turn up the, the, the drums more. That's how it felt about the vocals. Like The vocals seemed like they didn't fit. I mean, I could see the guy, to me, the guy sort of sounds like his vocals were influenced by like Phil Anselmo. It sounded like not like pantera but that same kind of like cadence and stuff sounded like that influence right but then it didn't really fit with didn't seem like it fit with the music like the vo- the vocals sat so much higher in the mix to me same with the drums been, and i didn't really pay attention to the drums i guess because i didn't notice that i think it was the vocals that were you know well the vocals too the vocals noted, the right?
1: vocals and the drums kept this they were just the same pattern every song The same freaking thing, every song, the same note, the same. And it's not like, you know, he changed notes of of his voice for the song or whatever. Every song was the same note. It was in the same key. And it's just like, you know, and it's the same thing, every song. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And then the drums, like I said, that that third song started out so cool. The guitar sounded bitching. And then the guy does the same drum pattern on that song. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I noticed every song. It's the same. And the singer just bored me. I'm sorry, dude.
0: Yeah. He bored I me. Like, I felt like the, the, there were some really good guitar riffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did like that pariah. I thought that was a it was heavy at the beginning. It sounded pretty good. Um, I did like the song Blueprint in Suicide. That was pretty good. As well as Distorted Arts of Disfigurement. But yeah, I that, felt kind that of one, That
1: one I felt was probably the best song. Uh, yeah. Number five, yeah. I think that's probably
0: the best one. Or was it, there was one called contaminated that was actually pretty good too yeah yeah but um it was like it was like i felt the way i felt about this is oh this is a good this is a good guitar part this sounds pretty cool and then the vocals would come in and it just like it didn't like i said it just didn't fit it didn't. and it just I, it didn't like come together no nope. you know what i mean and so yep. if you go and you like well, again when i noticed it and i was like oh let's check this out oh this sounds kind of cool it was because you'd hear i'd listen to the beginning i'd listen to a bit skip in the middle okay this sounds like a pretty cool guitar part forward it on to ian let's listen to it and see if it's worth you know something we want to review but then Mm -hmm. upon actually listening to it you know and it it got better i listened to it because i really wanted to give it a chance i listened to it three times
1: well it was the opposite for me i I listened to it twice all the way through and by the end of the second time i'm just like pulling my non-hair my what used to be hair out and just like (laughs) I was just like, oh, my God, I got to listen to this again. And so this morning, I I started listening to it again. I had to just skip through each song. You know, fast forward, fast forward, and I just had to blast through the whole album in like 10 minutes. And I was just like, oh, my God, I just couldn't. It was, I mean, Uh, uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me.
0: Yeah. I think that there would be. They'd be better with a different drummer. (sighs) I was going to say about the vocals. I thought maybe if the vocals were a little different. I just felt they didn't match.
1: It just didn't match the music. And neither did the drums. Both the vocals and the drums, like I said, were just the same pattern every song. And it's like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Well, that sucks.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: And hopefully they don't ever listen to this. But if you guys are, I'm really sorry. You're clearly talented people, but something's got to change up somehow. And
0: just change, yeah.
1: And something a little bit of a change, and it'll be better. Mm-hmm. I would well, suggest even getting, an, you know, like getting another singer or something, and see how that works or something, because. The singing—it's not like it's bad. It's just like you said; it just doesn't fit.
0: And that's um, kind of detracts from it for me because it's like another instrument. It'd be like if you were listening to a metal album and then this guy was playing on like his, uh, you know, his Fender with his stratica- or his, his Telecaster with no distortion. You'd hear it and be like, "Oh, that just doesn't fit." The guy's a good guitar player, but it just doesn't fit.
1: Well, you, and you know, it um, just... playing guitar, playing guitar and singing. in in my band for all those years i know that it's not easy to you know sometimes you have to the the coordination some vocal parts are different than their guitars and you have to fit that in somehow and i I think he just he found an easy way to sing while he's playing guitar and he just stuck with that and it it turns out kind of the same every song Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm thinking maybe a, a different singer would help or i don't know
0: yeah well to be fair they did say in that that little bio um that their singer you know quit right, right, for whatever reason right. and, and then he just continued he was already playing guitar and he just came in you know yeah and so it's again i i can't i can hardly play guitar how it feels sometimes <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. Whatever. <laughs> but i definitely couldn't i definitely couldn't sing or do vocals and i definitely couldn't do them both at the same time so i'm not here but,
1: to yeah, I, anyone or I feel like anything. i got i feel like i got pretty good at it after a while but initially it was not it was not easy you know, trying to do both at the same time, or, or trying to sing and play drums at the same time, it's not necessarily easy. So, you know, we'll give them props for that much, right?
0: Absolutely. And they're doing it, and they've got, you know, they got yep. something out on Spotify that some freaking idiots that. <laughs> that and and, and just, again, again, so do we. So what does that say? I mean, that's true. That's true. The barrier to entry is low. Is low, but it takes <laughs> effort. It takes effort. It, I guess let me, I'll say it this way: I don't want to bag anyone for playing guitar. Or drums, or doing anything creative that they enjoy, and they right. they took the time to produce it, record yeah. it, mix it, get yeah. it out, get it yeah. on Spotify, and I can't do what what you know. In particular, the vocalist playing guitar too, like I, I I can't do that. Well, but that being said, music um, is a subjective thing, or it's a subjective thing, and you have to enjoy it. Absolutely, and
1: And what are are critics? Critics are just people spouting their opinion about something. One, you know, one critics like like thumbs down is another person's thumbs up. So they probably have a lot of fans in Australia and around the world as far as I know. And what are we, you know, a couple guys spouting our opinion. So good for them. But I, I personally just I wasn't really into it. So I'm gonna have to give it one star. One star, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> I really I I, I thought Silosis was leagues better than these guys. I hate to say it, but it's yeah. I mean again, again, if we're not honest, then what what the hell? We're not really there's no reason to even listen to our reviews. If every every album we listen to first will love it and then give everything good reviews, then what the fuck are we doing?
0: Yeah, you're right. I would say that I would give it two, and because my one star threshold is like some of these things you see on YouTube where it's like metal's worst bands, and it's these guys that can't even stay in time and, and they're not even tuned or whatever it is. Like that's to me, like a one star you can't get, if you can't give a zero,
1: I'll put it this way. I wanted to give them a half a star, but I figured there's got to be a, a bunch of bands worse than these guys. So yeah, I, I see. I bumped it up to one.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I'm a dick. So we just,
0: yeah. No, no, I mean, we're just, I guess maybe starting at a different point. I'm starting at a one star as the, the, the starting worst. point as the start. Yeah. Yeah. So at th- that scale, I'd give it a, probably a two. Yeah, but um, from your scale, yeah, I'd probably from zero if you're starting at zero, not at one.
1: No, then... I'm starting. I'm starting at a half. Zero doesn't yeah. exist. So. All right. But, but yeah, that maybe we feel the same way regard regardless of how we start. I think. Right. Yeah, sounds like I think it. It. we feel the same way. There was. Well, it was. I mean, it was. It was like grind pad. There were some songs on there that I really liked, and this I just really didn't. I didn't really like any of these songs.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, I liked a couple. I liked a couple of them. I thought. What was it the disturbed arts of disfigurement i think that is that what it was
1: yeah that, that distorted, distorted, arts.
0: distorted that, arts, yeah. that
1: probably was the be- that one and three were probably the better ones on the album yeah didn't really care for it too much sorry guys sorry gotta be honest i guess and we can't like pre-review albums before we review them either no that's, that's not- it yeah that's it
0: and i don't even tell you like sometimes it'll just be like oh you gotta listen to this this is really good let's review this but yep. then sometimes i'm um i'm tempted and I, I don't do it i don't want to tell you oh this is actually check out this out this song like i want it to be just a legitimate
1: <laughs> i know legitimate like review but well, i know we don't once, know what
0: the other person's gonna say and we might right. have an,
1: a, a, an inkling but i know i know once when we were listening to, to the Warbringer album before we reviewed it i texted you and i'm like oh my god song three is so fucking good and you're like shut up shut up shut up <laughs> yeah. exactly and i was like oh yeah that's probably not the way to do it so Anyway, all right, well, um, stay tuned for the next topic. What are we going to do? Space probes. It's going to be a good one, dude.
0: Very interesting topic.
1: Yeah, very interesting, and NASA's doing some new stuff coming up, so we'll talk about that, too. All righty. How's it going, Dan? Pretty good, pretty good. Cool. Busy weekend?
0: Yeah, I did did uh, Father's Day with the in-laws today, Saturday, and then going they like, you know, the socially distanced uh, lunch. We'll be doing the same again tomorrow with my parents for Father's Day. So, wearing,
1: your, wearing your hazmat suits?
0: Yeah, definitely. Right. In fact, in, in fact, my kids are in their own bubbles within the home. They walk around in like a bubble.
1: That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can just like haul ass all over the house and just bounce off of shit. Anyway. Have you
0: seen those things? Those are pretty cool, actually. Those big inflatable balls that you go into. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I've seen them, like, people out on huge grass, you know, hills and stuff, just running around, and they get thrown around inside. I don't know. It looks kind of dangerous, but I'd do it.
0: Yeah, it looks fun. They go down it the does. hills, and they do all this stuff, yeah. We should buy yeah. some. Sure, why not? It's Socially distanced uh, mosh pitting. Maybe that's how the new company be. You're in those things. Yeah, I, I saw this uh, company online was selling these suits that you wear, these personal protection suits, and I, I guess the idea is you would go to a venue and then you'd pay them to rent it or whatever it is. And it's this full on helmet with like this self contained breathing apparatus and the whole thing with oh special God. attachments for, I guess there was a special attachment for vaping and oh. a special <laughs> attachment for drinking.
1: That's all there is.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of funny.
1: So we're going to do something about space probes. It's kind of timely because um, they are about to send up Perseverance pretty soon here. It's kind of like the, the rover, the Mars rover that landed in 2012. It looks a lot like, it looks almost just like it actually, but apparently this one can record um, sounds on Mars, which is interesting. And it has like a, like 19 or 20 something cameras, infrared, all that kind of stuff. And I guess it has a green laser to vaporize rocks. And then it, it like analyzes the smoke coming off the rocks, which is interesting. And it also has a core sampler. So it can drill, Core, you know, cores of different rocks in different areas, and then store them away in the body of the uh, of the rover for future missions. You know, whether it's people or other rovers to collect them, which I thought was kind of weird.
0: Other people, the rovers to collect the actual devices later on, right? Is that what you mean?
1: The actual ro- cores of the rocks that the, the lander c- collects. It sure. So the
0: the idea being that they're there. They gather some stuff. They gather some information, and then at some point, these things stop working or they die, and then eventually, the idea being someone will come in a, another mission, a manned mission or whatever, or a robotic mission, and they'll grab the stuff. And then,
1: sure, or die. you know, the, the thing could even still be working by the time Elon Musk, you know, puts his hundred victims on the planet, and uh, they could go retrieve it. Who knows? Or I think they're trying to they're trying to figure a way to. They're doing it in such a way that they can then like forward engineer something else that would robotically go collect them and shoot them back to Earth or something. I think that's what they're thinking, but they don't even have that part planned out. They just want to have them stored away and ready to be retrieved, which is interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's just uh, having it there, you know, they'll eventually get there. Right. So yeah. Just the, it's just a cache of information. You know, they'll probably start sending things up that have. Here's some batteries that were some cargo that they're just going to leave there. That way, it's there when they actually get there. That sure. would make sense too, as well, right? Sure.
1: Yeah, you are just doing the work beforehand, you know. So yeah. So yeah, I guess that's going to be launched pretty soon. Here, I'm not sure the exact date. I'm sure I could find it, but uh, it's within the next couple of weeks, I think. It's supposed to land. You know, they, they're getting faster and faster, so it's going to be there pretty quick. They still haven't even. I know the James Webb Telescope was supposed to be launched years ago, and that's so far behind schedule. Last thing I read was it was supposed to be launched this year, and then now it's been pushed back to like 2022, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that, that uh, Crew Dragon or whatever just recently was launched with the with the two guys in it um, up to the space station. I thought that was kind of cool. That's oh, not yeah. really. That's not a probe, but that's a pretty big achievement because we've been relying on moscow or for you know russia for so long like 20 million dollars a seat to get up there
0: yeah and spacex is private right so that's even even more interesting
1: i think they're being not not funded obviously by mars but they're being um it's being like uh, mars is saying yeah yeah do it you know what i mean because it helps them a lot Mm -hmm. so it's like they're using the mars the nasa launch pads and stuff right so
0: well, I mean, if you had a large area and you just slab a concrete with some stuff, you could launch the to, to launch right. large <laughs> rockets off of. If someone says, "Hey, dude, I got a rocket, and I'll share some," and if you let me launch off of there, I'll uh, share with you the information or whatever I got. You go, sure, right? I mean, that seems That's like sec- that would be.
1: It sounds like about what they're doing. I think I think the one they launched that Crew Dragon from was actually I think it was I think it was Pad 39. It was the same one that launched Apollo 11 to the moon.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: It's like a historical spot, and I, I saw a thing with Elon Musk, and he was all just beaming about the fact they get to use that that hunk of concrete, I guess.
0: It's pretty significant, man. I mean, you think about it. These guys started doing these things. What was the first mission? Like, 57,
1: 1957? Oh, Sputnik.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sputnik. And, I mean, that's a long time ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, really you know, 70, no, almost what? 63. 63 years. Yeah, man. 63 years. Wow. Yeah. Done so, a lot in 63 years.
0: It's amazing. And I mean, I even think like they launched, launched uh, not to jump too far ahead, I guess, but they launched the Voyager uh, 1 and 2 in 77.
1: Oh, did they launch them in 70? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: And they launched, it was just a little bit after, I was born in 76, so not too much longer. And these things have flown like millions of miles, right? And they're out now past Uranus and all these, these large planets out there and going so far. And I saw this really interesting video that was talking about how, they would go for a while longer and then just the trajectories they had like well, even once they died right that this thing would continue on for it yeah. would take i think it was like 40 or 50,000 years before it would hit the next star system you know it's like just amazing sure. the yeah. scales of this stuff
1: mm-hmm. i think you they know? actually i think they actually launched the viking 1 and 2 in 75 and they landed in 77 i think that's the way it worked and they actually launched viking 2 first which makes no sense and then Viking 1 was launched after that, a couple weeks later. And Viking 1 was faster, and it overtook Viking 2 pretty quickly. And then one went one went kind of like if, if you picture north and south in the universe, which is silly. But if you picture them going across the solar system, the planets were lined up. It was that rare 187-year lineup yeah. of the planets. Yeah, so they could do, like, the, the tour of the planets. And then when they got to their destination, like, one of them went to, like, Jupiter and then Uranus, Neptune, I think and then shot up, and the other one at Jupiter had shot down. So I know there's no up and down in space, but you know what I'm saying. One went up, the other went the other direction, Um, so they're going in different directions. I guess in 2012, one of them finally reached interstellar space, which is interesting. Yeah, and that
0: that was... In the 2000s, right? I think it was – I don't remember. I should I should have probably looked this up before we did, <laughs> did
1: I think 2000, 2012 is when one of the Voyagers went into interstellar space. Yeah. Like the heliosphere or something.
0: Yep. It's amazing, dude, in the scales of this stuff. I saw this one chart where it had, like, what they call astronautical, air, astronautical units or AUs, right, from the, right. the distance from the sun to
1: Earth. Sun right? to Earth, right. Mm-hmm.
0: So you have that. And then these things, you know, from, from Earth to Saturn, that's 10. AU's, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I know Voyager
0: that. Voyager One has gone out to about or over a hundred AU's.
1: That's so it. are talking
0: orders of magnitude. That's so far though, dude. That's
1: no, that is, but it just seems billi- like be... billions of ye- miles, man. That's billions of miles. Really, really far. <laughs> oh yeah, the voy—I I was talking about Viking. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Viking and Voyager. I had those two uh, back- flipped. Sorry about that. Yeah. Viking landed on Mars and Voyager was were the um, probes that went out and took it went pictures. Out really far, yeah.
0: yeah. It was amazing, man. i the pictures that they took of Jupiter.
1: Oh yeah, and, the body looks huge.
0: And they look they look huge. This this planet looks massive. Mm-hmm. And then you find come to find that the pictures are from like I don't record yeah. thirteen or sixteen million miles away, and this thing takes up the whole image it's huge it's just the scales stuff stuff's amazing
1: yeah well and and, and, the, and the um like that last one juno or whatever juno that went to jupiter i think it was 2015 is when it arrived there but it, it had to orbit jupiter in this huge elliptical like way out there and then back in way out there because the radiation and the gravity is just so intense
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that it's... thing still going the the juno thing i think that didn't last long did it because it was there's so much so much radiation or something really i scary.
0: have no idea yeah i, have I don't no idea because I, I knew I they were
1: wor- s- I, they were worried about it and they built like the 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 um, camera and the the power supply and everything basically in a lead box because of the radiation and they were worried about how long it would last and i don't think i've heard anything about it in years maybe it's already dead
0: probably probably is, yeah <laughs> probably is well and then you can go the other way right all this stuff we're talking about going further away from the sun I mean, we've got there. – they've sent probes to Venus as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so, the Soviet Union actually was really focused on that for a while. Yeah,
0: and from my understanding, these things lasted hours, like once they got there, uh, hours. Two,
1: two hours, I think, because of the pressure and the heat.
0: Yeah, and it's like acid and the whole thing. I mean, just,
1: just – Yeah, good. And they're actually talking about like trying to build spacecraft that can with, withstand that, you know, with, with astronauts and suits that can withstand that. I'm thinking, how can, how can you withstand over 900 degrees Fahrenheit? I don't think that's – I don't think we have the technology for to have spacesuits that can do that. I don't know. I, don't I heard think some scientists. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. I heard some scientists talking about that. You know, someday we'll have men on Venus. And I'm like, are you fucking out of your mind? I don't that know why like,
0: you. W- I don't know why you would. Have you seen the images?
1: It looks like hell. Yeah. <laughs> it literally looks like hell. It
0: looks like Death Valley, like on steroids. nth degree. Nth degree. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, totally. Yeah, it's gnarly.
1: It's pretty it's, impressive though that. um. The, the Soviet Union actually landed those those things on, on Venus. Uh, I think they were called the uh, – what were they called? The the Ven uh, – Ven, uh, what the hell were they called? Oh, the, yeah. They, uh, they were the
0: Vener- Veneras. Venera. Yeah.
1: That's right. Venera. Yeah. And the first one they launched, I think it was in like the early 70s. And that was uh, the first successful landing of a spacecraft on another planet even.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Not, not just
1: on Venus, but on another, any, any country on any planet was uh, – 1970, I think, yeah, 1970, Venera 7. I was looking um, through the 1950s though, and you know, granted, Soviet Union hid a lot of their uh, hid a lot of their failures from the rest of the world because it was all very secretive, and then the successes, of course, they would tout and everything, you know. Yeah. But um, according to Wikipedia, anyway, uh, th- they had seven major launches in the se- in the 50s, and of the seven, six were successes. And United States was just hucking shit up there, 27, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 27, and only 11 succeeded. The rest of them, like, exploded on on the pad or, you know, a few seconds into the into the launch or something, something happened. Yeah, only 11, to 11 out of, like, 27 or 28 launches succeeded. I'm like, oh, my God, that's not a very good track record at all.
0: But think about the technology these guys were working with, too. I mean, that's like... I mean, You're they're, they're literally yeah. they're literally hurling stuff up. They're trying yeah. to figure out the math, build yep. something that can handle the force, and just hurling it up there, right? I mean, that's kind of yeah. what's going on. Yep. It's it's Tri- stuff error, yep. Yeah, it's stuff nowadays where they're able to uh, land, you know, recover these, yeah, components and land them on land these you know vessels back on platforms and stuff. You know, it's a definitely a different thing now.
1: Well, like i think i think the ariana the ariana um craft from the european space union started in 1979 and they have a 98 success rate that's amazing mm-hmm. and they're they're panicking kind of because spacex now is is sending like private satellites into space for half the cost yeah and so so european union is scrambling because they're they the leader in the world at um sending private satellites up as of right now but they know it's not going to last if, if their competition can send them up at half the cost
0: it's gonna be private sector man oh, I mean that's yeah. really you know I mean, you. someone like musk is gonna is doing it that dude's, that dude's crazy he works he so is. much you know he's so yeah, focused he,
1: yeah he is you and know, think what you want about the guy I think he's a little bit insane I don't I don't think he's a psycho or anything but I he's spending his money in my opinion for doing something good yeah and I, st- and I still think you know that whole idea of the spaceship to carry hundred people to Mars one-way trip kind of thing. I still kind of think he's like the most, the world's most creative um, mass murderer because <laughs> that's just so crazy. It's like you come with us, then, dude. You know, but no, people want to do it. There's twenty thousand applicants, something like that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's being forthcoming. He is, you know, and 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 people want to. They're just like people, you know. We're like, fuck it, dude. The the world's not flat. I'll I'll show you. I'm gonna I'm gonna sail around it. Same thing, man. It's just a different. It's just a different problem, so to speak. A different
1: perspective.
0: Right. A different target. People want to go out there. They want to be the ones to go see it, and that's great. People want to be on the living on the edge. People want to do different things that I wouldn't do.
1: But that's yeah, what would it you, takes if, to make if, it happen
0: and to have the progress. And it, it wouldn't be without those people that we would get there, right? I mean,
1: if you were given the opportunity to go to Mars, would you go? Right now, no. I mean, ever? I, I fuck no. I wouldn't do that. That's crazy wow. shit.
0: Well, I love traveling. If I, could get there, <laughs> I, if, I love traveling. You're talking about Mars, dude. It's well, you're me. saying what I, what well, you're the question is, would I ever go?
1: Would you ever go? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I love oh, traveling. And so yeah. if I could get there, if they made it in a way that was commercially viable and I could afford it or I could make, you know what I mean? Like, or you could absolutely. go on, vaca-
1: on vacation for you sure.
0: Know. I would if I could make it happen. And it was. Within yeah, my I, my risk tolerance, whatever in my budget, whatever
1: it is, right? Like, I still wouldn't do that shit. Well, the
0: question is, would you ever? So yeah. yes, I would. I would. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah,
1: I would. I would. It doesn't matter how safe it is. It, they'd have to cut down the travel time significantly because it takes what seven, eight, nine months. Depends on the, the alignment of the planets.
0: Well, the question then, is, would you ever?
1: Right. Yeah. And I say I say no for me. Never. No, no, yeah. Never. Even if it took like two weeks to get there. No, fuck that. Yeah, but you're two weeks there, and then you spend a week on Mars having fun, playing rat, you know, whatever, wandering around the surface in your suit, and then two weeks back, you know, take a month and a half off to go to Mars and see another planet. Fuck no, I'm not doing that.
0: People do cruises, man. They may not be your thing, (laughs) but people do cruises.
1: Would you like to go on a cruise to Mars?
0: Yeah, possibly. (laughs) It would be amazing to see it, man. Again, like this whole thing where you see these images from these satellites and these probes. And some of the stuff is like, oh, here's the, you know, the UV image or the near infrared or whatever it is, right? But then some of the stuff is true color and it's just amazing. And you see it. And when when you see that that's from, you know, millions and millions of miles away and you can see everything and there's just the sheer scale of it, you know, it's amazing.
1: And some of the geography is pretty intense, too. I mean, I have to admit. Like the uh, the the largest volcano, uh, extinct volcano in the solar system. That thing is huge,
0: yeah. huge.
1: It's like how many times taller than than Mount Everest? You know, it's crazy.
0: Well, I was gonna say, what's interesting about these planets, though, is the different ones, right? You could see the, these pictures of Venus or these pictures of Mars, and you could envision, right? Like stuff sort of works kind of the same way, right? You can infer. You'd look at those pictures and go, "Wow, that looks like." The Death Valley with a red Sun or I mean just stuff like it looks almost earth-like in a way right like just extreme gnarly desert right mm-hmm. but then what what must these large gas giants be what is Jupiter like what is Saturn like I mean right. I know they've landed on some of the moons and they've taken pictures of the moons and oh, yeah.
1: they did that Titan one where they, they sent the um they sent that craft to Titan now Titan is a moon of Saturn is that right I think Titan is Jupiter Jupiter actually. okay yeah they sent that probe to to Titan and they had the little the Huygens probe that launched from the craft that was going around Jupiter and it it land it had a little parachute and everything and it took pictures as it was descending and and, and it had rivers and valleys and mountains It looked like it looked like earth but orange mm-hmm. and, and come to find out that the rivers and lakes and everything are methane liquid methane yeah that's insane
0: but you could you know some of these images of these of these moons and stuff They'll see these crevices or these dark bands of color, right. and they'll infer from there they're like, oh well, that's how we can tell that it's frozen methane. We know how, how that stuff behaves. That's you know the currents underneath. And it's just amazing.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, really well, what it
0: is. It's amazing.
1: Well on that one probe was it just happened to like turn around, they, they ordered it or you know commanded it to turn around to take a picture of um, I think it's Enceladus and and they just happened to take a picture right when it was spewing all this water from those cracks into the atmosphere or not the atmosphere but into space like Mm -hmm. thousands of miles into space straight up and that's when they realized oh man that's all ice and that whole planet is just water under that that crust of ice yeah yeah that's intense who knows what you know there could be shit living under there they need to send a probe to that place quick
0: absolutely well and then we possibly i should say that absolutely right because again when you get out those far, that far and, and you look at the sun like we yeah. we can get we can get sunburned in half an hour or whatever right and like laying out in the sun with no sunscreen or whatever on a really hot day but like we're still really far away when when you look at from jupiter the pictures i've seen if you're out from there and they take a picture of the sun from there it looks like just another star it's like just a dot yep. So you're not really getting too much energy Right, I mean, besides certain,
1: it's a fraction. Uh, it's a fraction of the percent, I think.
0: And probably a different uh, section of the electromagnetic spectrum as well, right? It's going to be more of the high-energy radiation waves, probably, right, higher up in the the band.
1: Well, well like Enceladus, they, they they think that the just the gravity of Jupiter, when it's orbiting Jupiter, it like compresses and you know, like you know what I mean? It like it squeezes it and it releases squeezes squeeze, and that's what that, was, that is what creates the energy on Enceladus. To keep the water underneath liquid right right so that there's another form of energy right there just yeah. the gravity from that huge planet
0: yeah it's amazing man all this stuff's amazing i could see why people would be really interested in studying these things Oh, sure. people want to launch these things out and be able to really take pictures it's, it's absolutely amazing when you think about the technology again that they did you know 40 some years ago 50, 60 years ago, depending on which ones you're referring to, mm-hmm. and compare it to what we have available now. The stuff that they're launching now probably will, or I shouldn't say probably, most certainly should work for longer.
1: Yeah, those rovers, those rovers they sent in the early 2000s, I think, the Spirit and Opportunity. They yeah. were only they were only planned for I think 90 days, and they went on for the one just died a couple years ago because it got covered in sand in the in the. Solar panels couldn't recharge the batteries, and they just decided to kill the mission. But that went on, that went on for what, 17 years? Or yeah, exactly? it was a really long time. Really yeah, long.
0: Yeah.
1: And the other one died, I think, 10 years ago or so. But so they they outlasted their mission objectives big time.
0: Well, they seem to, right? I mean, Voyager has had extensions. I mean, that was launched 43 years ago, right? I mean.
1: Yeah. It was really yeah, and they, they, they've shut down all but I think three three different sensors They shut everything down to conserve what little mm-hmm. nuclear, nuclear energy that's left in that thing. Right. It's pretty trippy how they can still like, you know, like when it was just past Saturn and Carl Sagan talked him into turning it around. There's, there's still enough power to have the jets turn the craft around to take a picture of earth as that little yeah. spec, you know, and then turn it back around and have it keep going. It's, it's pretty interesting. And it takes, I think it takes 30 something hours for any commands sent to Voyager to, to get there, or anything, any data that's sent back still takes mm-hmm. like thirty or forty hours, I think, to get here.
0: What are they using? Is it like re, uh, light, or what? What sort of technology are they using to control these things and com- send those
1: commands? Do you know? They, they still have to use the old, um, the old computer systems that they had in the seventies to command those things. So they still have those. But old what are they
0: using to transmit the information? What sort of? It's radio. It's radio.
1: Yeah. It's- good old-fashioned radio. It's, you know, a certain band, a bandwidth or whatever. I, th- I think they use like microwave um, bandwidth or something for the ones now. Not entirely sure about that. I don't really study up on that one, but you know that the Soviet Union like had so many firsts, right? Like, yeah. the first, Sputnik was the first in, in October of 57. That was the first satellite, artificial satellite up, right? Then they sent the first being up with Laika, the dog, in Sputnik 2, like a month or so later. They had the first man into orbit, they had the first woman into space, the first spacewalk, the first rendezvous in space, supposedly, uh, that is actually credited to America, because I guess the Soviet Union did a pretty sloppy one, um, whereas America really flew in tandem, you know, with the level was in one craft, and then they sent up another one, you know, a day or two later, and then that one came back down and stayed up there for like 2 weeks or something. That guy has been in space so many times. Like Lovell's gone up, he did the rendezvous. He spent 2 weeks in space with Borman. He he was on the mission to he was on Apollo 8, the first shot to the moon where they orbited the moon like 10 times. Then he went he was on Apollo 13, the one that failed and then they had to slingshot around the moon and come back. That guy that guy, I don't know. He, I don't know if he has the most Time and space for an American, but he's got to be pretty close. I mean, the guy went to the moon and back twice. I think only one other American has done that, which is interesting. Maybe John Young. I'm not sure.
0: Let me ask you this. It's sort of a tangent to this conversation. But have any of these people that have been traveling into space, have they reported any UFO sightings or
1: interactions? They all have. All? Yeah, they all have. Every single Uh, one of them. Um, like Borman, I think took photographs of, of one. And when he came back to earth, he had one of those Hasselblatt cameras and he reported it. And that's, you know, it's on file. The, the, you know, the, the transcripts, you can read those and he talks about seeing that thing. And then he, he, saw, he, he said, he took pictures with his Hasselblatt. When he got back to earth, his Hasselblatt was taken, you know, and, and he was expecting to see his photos and he never got them back. So yeah, I, heard,
0: I heard something about that too.
1: And then, uh, I think in the early seventies, they were doing the, the United States, the Soviet Union beat us for the whole space, you know, for um, having a space station as well. But then when we sent up um, a modified Apollo rocket, you know, it was hollowed out and made into a space station. They're just repurposing old stuff because they're phasing out the Apollo program because of the space shuttle. And then um, they sent up three astronauts to go into the space station. And then they, they reported seeing that huge, like huge orange craft looking thing. And they, they took pictures of that and they timed it, you know, for its flight and then how fast it was going, how far away it was and everything so they could get an idea of the size. And apparently it was like multitudes times bigger than anything we've ever had in space. And that was there. And they actually have pictures of that. I think it was 1973 or 74. Um, you can look that up. I think, um, uh, let's see, what was that guy's name? The, the artist who he was one of the guys who walked on the moon. Um, he just recently died. I can't remember. His well, name.
0: How, I'll, I'll look it up real quick. What's the? How would I Google it or whatever?
1: Uh, 1973 space station. Um, God, what was it? He was the astronaut. He was uh, He was on. The, he was on Apollo 12. Oh, Bean, Alan Bean. He he was part of. He was one of the the craft that saw that spaceship. So
0: actually, a Bean picture or
1: something like that. Alan Bean UFO blah 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 1973 something UFO picture maybe. Yeah, Alan Bean 1973 or 74. Yeah. Let's see here. He, I know he was one of the crew. There's three of them. And he, one of the other crew spot, spotted it. Again. Skylab
0: 3? That, that sounds right. That sounds right. That's a UFO photograph. So let me click on something that will probably give me a Oh, yeah, see, I was going to joke about how It's it. probably going to give me a virus. And sure enough, my router blocks me and says, this connection is being blocked because it's dangerous. Yes, of course.
1: Right. Okay, I got it up here. Alan Bean EllenBeanFamilyNASA.gov. Yeah, he just died. Oh, 86. He was a good artist. And they're not going to show me the pictures. See? Right, yeah. I couldn't See? find anything about
0: that. It just looked like pictures of him.
1: Yeah, crafty fuckers. No, I got a picture of it right here. The Skylab 3 mission UFO. These, like,
0: red things, these red clouds.
1: Well, it's like a, It's like a red tube with an arm coming off of it.
0: Yeah have to look at that. go maybe talk about it another
1: time. They don't really give you the very best pictures of that. That's weird. Well, I guess it's not really that weird, but
0: so aside from this guy on Skylab 3, there were other people, a lot of other Well, uh,
1: well um Apollo Apollo 11, you know, with um Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. There was a UFO following them to the moon. Buzz Aldrin's flat says that. He goes, You know, well, you know, we didn't know what it was. So obviously be a UFO and we didn't want to report it, you know, to NASA because all the UFO nuts go crazy and they might tell us to turn around or something because we're like delirious or whatever. So we were watching it and um, I think Mike Collins was looking at it through um, through not binoculars, but like a spyglass kind of thing. So you get a magnified. He said it looked like a shape of of, of like an L and it followed him for days, you know, a couple, you know, the last two days on the way to the moon. They didn't report it to NASA, but Buzz Aldrin openly says, you know, it wasn't aliens. It was just something that was following us. It's like, what the fuck do you think it was then? Um, But they did inquire, like I think Neil Armstrong inquired to NASA about, you know, you know, where is the second stage that, you know, that jettisoned off as they were heading towards the moon or after they got into orbit, you know, how they, they go into stages. And they wanted to know if that was drifting along following them. And they said, no, that's like, you know three or 4,000 nautical miles away or whatever. But this thing apparently was pretty close to them, like 90 miles away. So it wasn't that. Then they just kind of let it go and just ignored it. Right. So
0: these things were just following them. They weren't being aggressive or, or like interceding in any way. They were just observing like whatever it was that they saw.
1: Apparently, I don't, you know, I don't know. Buzz Aldrin just kind of poops it when he talks about it like it was nothing, you know. But he's like, you know, well, you could say it was a UFO because we didn't know what it was, right? And he just says it so like snarky, you know. Oh, well, that's um, a
0: gift by definition, but maybe he's a shill. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> apparently he is a little bit, you yeah. know. He he doesn't want to give anybody any anything to like get traction on, you know, whatever he says, but he, he did say it was something was following them.
0: I mean it looks pretty active, right? I mean, starting in the fifties, fifty seven, the Russians being the Soviet Union being the first uh right. first missions. I mean, it was kind of like a battle. Oh, sure.
1: October fourth,
0: well, uh, November third, Dece- December sixth. You know, January 31st. These guys are cranking them out. It's like every month, at least. Soviet the-
1: Union. Soviet Union were the first. Uh, the first to get um, a probe to the moon. The yeah. first to take a picture of the dark side of the moon. The first to do a soft landing on the moon. A couple of failures in there, but America was, or United States was, just fail, 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 fail. Just just exploding on the launch pad left and right. The ones that really succeeded were the ones that Mr. Uh, Mr. SS guy, Werner von Braun, you know, the ones that he developed were the ones that were successful. You know, like like the, Apollo's, the Apollo rockets never had a single failure. You know, Apollo 13 had that explosion on the way to the moon. But as far as like taking off, there was never an explosion on the launch pad, anything like that. Um, there was a fire on the launch pad with Apollo 1 which, that killed those three astronauts. But that wasn't really anything due to the rocket itself. It was because they thought it was a good idea to have pure oxygen environment pressurized. Genius.
0: When was that? What year was that? Uh,
1: 1967 a spark or something's malfunction like a faulty wiring or something hmm. just boom you know pure oxygen environmental pressurized and then they had the door so it, it wouldn't pop open out it, it would push in and so those guys couldn't get out they're in a pressurized environment oh, i see right And they they burned to death man that's that's horrifying
0: so lots of failures lots of successes clearly uh again pretty much it's like almost monthly i mean like especially during like the cold war time that these guys are trying to one up and yeah or more at some point it brings us to like today yeah and so there were there have been you know they've been getting further and further i mean i'm sure a lot of different firsts the first chinese satellite for example the first japanese satellite whatever it is right like all these different a lot of firsts Mm -hmm. but what what i guess what are the differences now between of what they launched back i mean obviously Technology-wise, I get it, but what are they doing today with this new one? You said they've got much more complex instrumentation. Are they communicating with them in the same way? Do you know how they're? Gonna, are they going to be using light instead because it's faster? Like, I mean, what are they using for propulsion? Do you know this stuff? I don't really know much
1: about. Oh, a lot of those probes now, like the one that was sent to Pluto, um, the the New Horizons probe a few years back, that was actually an ion drive which is pretty cool. And it took nine years to get there, but that was one of those ion drives where it just, it it puts out such a little amount of thrust, but it builds up and build, it compounds, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't, you don't have to have, you don't have to store a whole lot of like fuel. So that takes up, fuel takes up a lot of space and weight and all that stuff. You don't have that. And then you got the ion thing just barely putting out any thrust, but it can stay on constant. So it's just slowly picking up speed and it just gets up so fast. That's the fastest thing we've ever had into space so far. Apparently, that's what they're using for a lot of the probes now. And at what rate do they travel? To get out of Earth's gravity well, you have to be going, I think, 17,000 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. That's pretty damn fast. And then you have to stay at like 17,500 miles an hour in orbit to stay in orbit. Otherwise, you'll either... If you go too fast, you'll shoot out. If you go too slow, you'll just fall back to Earth, right? So once you get out of like the translunar injection, I think they were going like... Almost thirty thousand miles an hour, I think, getting to the moon, you know, and the old the old Apollo missions. And I think that I think that New Horizons craft was, you know, I don't even know the number, but it was going m- monumentally faster than that. I mean, if you think about it, it used to take it used to take maybe they figured nine months to get to Mars. And it took nine years to get to Pluto. Think how much further out Pluto is than Mars, right? So that's going pretty damn fast. Yeah, it is. New Horizons, I think it was called, right? Yeah, it sounds right. It it flew, it took pictures of like Charon and, you know, the the so-called moon of Pluto, which is actually the same size as Pluto. It's pretty funny.
0: That whole thing's amazing while you're looking that stuff up, you know, uh, I saw something that they were talking about all the different things out there that far out, you know, way out at the very edges of the solar system and beyond. I was really in, intrigued to learn that there's this thing called the Oort cloud. Have you heard that? Yes, I have. And the way I understand it, you could tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, you know, it's something that is so far out, like out at like a thousand AU's, and, and goes out, extends out past a hundred thousand, and it's this like, cru- almost like a, a shell of mm-hmm. ice and debris that's like a skin around the whole solar system
1: they think no i mean they, they that's another one of those things where science basically states that as a fact but there's there's no photos of it there's no they just figure it's there based on math and things you know that kind of thing it's probably there but there's no fo- i mean it's so far out there that they don't know just like the the van allen belt was only a theory until they actually sent up satellites to to you know get the the, the data to prove that that was there mm-hmm um, let's see, it was launched in July of 2015 is when it finally reached, and um, New Horizons was launched in 2000, 2000- it was launched in 2006, dude, January 19th, 2006, it flew past Jupiter in February of 2007, so only a little over a year later, it made it to Jupiter, that's pretty fast, because if you figure, yeah. the, the Voyagers, I mean, they left in what, they they launched in 77, they didn't seven. They didn't make it to Jupiter until 1989, 12 years later. This thing made it in one year.
0: That is insane.
1: And then it finally reached out, I think, in July of 2015 is when it reached um, Pluto. Man, that is so far out there.
0: Yeah. So now with this perseverance to bring it to the modern times, that's going to be launching when?
1: Uh, I believe that's actually in a couple weeks
0: yeah, it said the rover is scheduled to launch on the 20th of July 20th, 2021. 20th, yep, exactly. Landed Mars in February of 2021. That's
1: pretty fast. So oh wow, they're breaking they're they're breaking down the times dramatically. That's only so seven seven months. seven months, yeah. And it used wow. to be nine or ten. I well, like I said, it depends on the, the alignment of the planets, too. So
0: it's gonna have 23 cameras, two yeah. microphones. I think that's so cool, dude, to be able to. Yeah, hear see. what's going on there. That's going to be amazing. it would probably be a lot of nothing, right? But
1: Every now and then you'll hear, what are you doing on our planet?
0: No. Yeah, maybe, huh? Creepy.
1: <laughs> anyway, yeah, and then um, that that laser thing, the green laser or whatever. Core drills. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It's going to have a helicopter drone on board.
0: Wait, that's... what? Somebody yeah. tell me that again?
1: They're going to have a drone on the rover that's going to launch from it. It's a drone, and it has these huge blades on it, like... Like multiple blades, counter counter spinning blades. They figure because the atmosphere is so thin that a helicopter, you know, typical helicopter would never work because you have to bite into the atmosphere to take off. So they have all these blades going two different directions and they're huge to hopefully bite into the thin atmosphere and then take off. And it's like it's like what do they call it? It's um, a no lose kind of mission. So they, they don't entirely expect it to work, but they, they say that if it does work, then it's a bonus. You know what I mean? And then that thing will- Yeah, fly- so
0: it's called the Mars Helicopter Ingenuity, solar-powered helicopter drone with a mass of four pounds, 1.8 kilograms. Awesome. Uh, it's It's going to scout the best driving route for the rover. Yeah. Other than cameras, it carries no scientific instruments. Job is to merely demonstrate the practicality of flight on Mars. The small helicopter is expected to fly up to five times during its 30-day testing. Will fly no more than three minutes per day,
1: which is cool. And mission duration. See, they're doing it again. Mission duration one Mars year, which is two Earth years, right? So they figure the duration of the other thing is two years. And that thing's gonna be going for a decade at least. Just like yeah. I mean, just like the the one that's on there right now, Curiosity's been going eight years.
0: Unless there's some catastrophic failure where it. it over and falls over and something and they can't get it flipped over or something yeah i mean that stuff's going to be
1: there for a long
0: time if it lasts for two years it's going to last a lot longer probably
1: i think they're going to land it the same way as the curiosity too with those the, the sky crane thing and the jets you know that's the, amazing dude i was convinced that would fail when you know in 2012 when it was supposed to land yeah, out, i was definitely. like this isn't going to work it's going to fail just plan on it failing and then when they're all clapping and it actually worked i was like holy shit i was totally wrong it just seemed too complicated
0: yeah yet somehow elegant right like the most elegant way of doing it
1: those two those two small you know um uh, what was it you know opportunity and and whatever when they landed those they just had like balloons around it so it just bounced to a stop and then unfolded and then it'd drive down off a little ramp and to me that was like that's genius because it's so simple and there's not a lot of stuff that can fail you know what i mean but this is like you got to have the heat shield not fail you got to have the parachutes not fail you have to have the sky crane not fail and then the retro rockets not fail. And then you have to have it detach and that not fail. You have to have that shoot away from the rover so it doesn't damage it. And you have to have that not fail. And I'm just like, there's so many things lined up to just to just choke. It's like, no way, why are they making it so complicated? And the fucking thing worked.
0: You know, it's just a different, different thought process. And the yeah. technology's got better. The soft power right. of the software they're working with has improved.
1: And that's another thing it's gonna have. It's gonna have um, an uh, atomic, you know, when it just thinks for itself, radar. So it can actually scout the land before it lands. Because before they're just picking a spot and kind of blindly landing, this is going to actually pick its own spot to land without any human input. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's
0: really, really cool.
1: <laughs> How long does it take for, like, um, um, commands to get, I think it's 15 minutes or something? It takes that long to get to Mars and back. Like, if you're on Mars and you send someone an email, it's going to take 15 minutes to get to your loved one.
0: Yeah, At least least 15
1: minutes to get back, so nothing is right away, you know, so they have to wait to find out if everything worked. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how that – you know, if that works, which means there's going to be all kinds of debris all over Mars.
0: Certainly, and we had talked about panspermia. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. uh, Yeah, It will be really interesting to see what happens here. So February next
1: year. Right. And we did have – you know what? um, On the last note here, we did have the – we did have the Pioneer probes were sent before the, the Voyagers, remember? 1973. Oh, and the Mariners, too. The Mariners were the Mercury, um, Venus Mercury, now successful, photographed um, Mercury. It was the first dual planet probe. That was USA in 1973. Pioneer 10's greatest achievement was data collected on Jupiter's magnetic field, early 70s. So it's just a ton of them, man. Pioneer 10, 1972, first yeah. human-made object that had been sent on escape trajectory away from the sun first probe to jupiter was the pioneer 10 and 72 yeah
0: yeah no it's amazing dude this stuff is, is crazy and you, you think about these guys doing this 40 50 60 years ago yeah and as the imaging and everything gets better and all the instrumentation gets better it's amazing it
1: really well, I, can't, I can't believe they sent a probe in the, in the early 2000s to a to a freaking comet and and took back samples from the comet's tail and sent them back to earth and i think the japanese the japanese space agency was the one that picked them up and are analyzing them that's crazy when when was that i think it was 2006 or something is when it it finally reached the comet and uh yeah it had like these these like almost like solar panel looking things these flaps that came out of the thing and the thing was the thing was following along with the with the um with the comet and these things stuck out and were in the tail of the comet and it was almost like wax or something and, and all the debris from the tail would get into this wax and then it closed back up to protect itself and then the probe would shoot back to Earth and it landed back on Earth, you know, years later and then they're still analyzing that shit, dude. That's how they figured out that, that most comets are like basically like dirty snowballs, they called them. <laughs>
0: That's
1: funny. It's just, dirt, it's just dirt and ice. There's probably a lot of that and there's probably a lot of nothing out there too, right? Probably, although I've heard space is not actually nothing, right? I don't know. Well, it's it's like malleable. It's it's you know like space time. That's what gravity is, right? It's not that things are being pulled to huge objects with gravity. It's that everything is falling towards huge huge objects. You know, because it's bending space. So everything mm-hmm. falls towards something. It's not like it's it's pulling. It's you're falling towards it. Does that make sense? That's the whole Einstein crap. That over yeah Trump's it's insane
0: mind-boggling mind i can't even begin to understand it really
1: I, yeah i totally don't, I don't really understand it but um yeah they um oh yeah and they did that rosetta the rosetta thing the european space agency landed landed um that little probe on an asteroid a few years back remember the thing didn't quite take because there's not enough gravity and just kind of bounced around on the surface and kind of landed in a ditch and, and was only when was that fairly recent in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years or so. And they wanted it to just kind of stick onto the surface, but the thing just kind of bounced around and it ended up in a shadow. So it couldn't get solar energy to power everything. So they got like kind of minimal data, uh, data but they made it to the asteroid, which is kind of a success unto itself.
0: So now there's some, some dead machine on, on, this an, on an asteroid, asteroid. hurtling yep. through space. So now yep. think about that one, right? Like that's going to be in all probability – Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years that this thing goes before it interacts with anything else, right?
1: And I think they still have the the orbiter still going around that asteroid too, which is trippy. So they have a little little thing going around it, and then that little probe on it just kind of dead, you know. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, do you oh, know how
0: many Do you know how many things they have currently going right now? How many active missions there are that are out there?
1: Well, there's dozens. Uh, I was just looking at. Um, I was just looking at the juno probe it was launched in 2011 it arrived in the orbit of jupiter on july 4th of 2016. it is the farthest space probe ever to be powered by solar arrays i didn't know they could do it that far out 1.1 billion dollar mission and it's supposed to run through july 2021 so it's still going and it says the science that it will return to earth will last a lifetime of research
0: and then how do they i mean so they're constantly crunching the data the volume of data must be huge Huge, yeah. What's the backlog of this stuff? Are they when they're announcing things? From let's say they announce something today, is that that's the aggregate of data from the last?
1: Well, it, sa- it says here. many the, years
0: or what? It says here the
1: science returned to Earth um, from Jupiter. Will, uh, the science that returns will last a lifetime. So you, you figure a good hundred years of research there at least, I would think. Isn't that what that means? I think. I, don't that yeah, like, I don't know.
0: That sounds like that sounds like it just writer's flair creative sending, light
1: sending light. back so just overwhelming amounts of yeah. data just so you can be looking at it forever
0: yeah um, and then of course building off of that forever right
1: yeah and the photographs were like high def amazing photographs
0: just looking at more modern times i mean there's there's dozens and dozens of these things did you know that ethiopia has a satellite they launched in 2019 that's that's i would yeah. never would
1: have thought their first one Yep. uh i think it was powered by i think it was in yeah, cooperation with china
0: yep how Very fuck, interesting. How the
1: fuck did I know that? May 17th of 2020, there's a new set of pictures from Juno. Yeah, well, even like Italy, I think Italy and Canada and, and all these different nations in the 60s were building satellites, and, and America was shooting those up for them. So, you know, like first Italian satellite, first whatever, first Israeli satellite. And then it'll say, you know, sent on an sent on a United States rocket, right? So they weren't really building rockets. I don't think the first European Europeans in general, it was before the European Union, but they're tired of having to rely on NASA and the United States. And that's when they started building the the Ariana rockets in 1979. And they are now building the most successful rocket ever. 98% launch um, success. That just still kills me, man. 98 out of 100 times it succeeds to get its satellites into orbit. I mean, I'd probably trust that going into space, hitching around on one of those, you know.
0: They're not going to send you up on a catapult, dude. (laughs) They're going to use the same technology.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, a payload of, you know, a satellite or whatever. You can just cram me into the the nose of one of those. There you go. Yeah. I mean, think of the the Mercury missions of the United States. Those were little tiny rockets, one-manned capsules. They were just, like, repurposed um, nuclear weapons missiles. I mean, it's only when they wanted to go to the moon, go further, and have three people up there that they made the thing specifically for, you know, for human-rated missions. You know, the Soyuz is different though. They, those are still, dude. Those are six, 60 years old. They still use that Soyuz stuff in Russia.
0: Yeah, that is some.
1: Really that awesome. is some really reliable, like, sturdy hardware. There's, they, like nothing's changed basically in sixty years except for the, com, you know, the computers are more modern. That's it. They still oh, have a strap yeah. on rockets. They, you know, they still, they do hard landings in those capsules, dude. That's crazy. Have you ever seen footage of, of one of those Soyuz capsules come back? You know how we land in the ocean and then a, a Navy ship comes and picks them up? Yeah. Dude, they land straight on the ground. Wham! And you see the, – and the people are like yeah. – op- they're opening them up and they, they're pulling the cosmonauts or whatever, an American or whatever. They pull them out and they just look completely stunned and dazed because they just got hammered into Earth, dude.
0: You got I can't team. imagine they're doing that now, dude. I no, can't imagine. no, they they're... are.
1: That's what they do. That's how they land those Soyuz capsules. Look That's it up. I just with... watched. The, I just watched one of the recent ones land back to Earth, dude. And it slams hard. Even the three parachutes, those huge parachutes, don't slow it down as much as you would think. It's not like a nice little gentle landing on the dirt, dude. And then when they pull them out, dude, they look stunned. Like they just. But they. I mean, they train for it. They have simulators. Whacking them around, sure they, <laughs> they do just to make sure they, you know, they know what's gonna what's gonna happen. So, yeah, yeah, but I've heard Americans say, you know, that's quite the ride coming back in one of those Soyuz because you know the landing is going to be pretty rough, and you're already hurting because you've been weightless for how long, and then the gravity when you're coming back into the atmosphere is like sure. many feet oh, and yeah. then you've got to slam into the ground. It's like God, it's just like crippling, man. Well, right on, dude. We
0: should probably wrap this one up. We're going an hour and almost here. Oh yeah. Maybe- It'll be interesting to uh, maybe pick some of these apart and learn more specific about them. I, real, I saw this really interesting thing about the Voyager and the stuff that it did with, with Jupiter and its moons. And I, I maybe want to read more about it.
1: This one kind of begs for part two as well, right?
0: Yeah, sure. I think so. Yeah, does. This,
1: is, yeah, does. this is
0: pretty good. And let's follow this one. Let's follow the Perseverance. I'm sure we'll revisit it once it lands in February. and Probably throughout as well, I'm sure it'll probably send some pictures back and stuff like that, right? Or is it just, Ooh, when they yeah. launch them out, do they just crank it out and get there? I mean, they're going pretty fast, so who knows? What do you mean? Well, I presume that they're taking pictures and, and stuff on their on its way, cause it's, but it's hauling ass too, so I don't know if they're like shut down, spending God. all energy only on propulsion and trying to be in a hibernation mode till they get closer. I mean, I would imagine they would take some imagery...
1: I think what, I think once I think they usually send an orbiter with it and then the orbiter stays, you know, there will be another orbiter going around Mars as that thing descends to land. I think the orbiter will probably take pictures, but I don't know that they take pictures on the way to Mars with those rovers. I'm not sure. I, I don't recall ever seeing pictures on the way to Mars with the rovers, but they they may have, I don't know. It seems like Jupiter and Pluto were the big ones where they're, they were approaching, or like Cassini when it was approaching Saturn 15 years ago or whatever. You know, all the pictures as it was getting closer and closer and closer. was trippy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next Scatter See you later, Dan.
0: Uh, see yeah. you guys next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>